Genre. Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today, we are continuing our miniseries on the X-Men franchise with the sequel to the R-rated mega hit, 2018's Deadpool 2. And we have a guest joining us to talk about Brad Pitt, Terminator, Thanos, and fridging for convenience is podcaster and comic book aficionado Adam Sheehan. Body slide by one. <laughs> Man, I hit I hit Thanos with a hard A, and it felt weird coming out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really, really threw you off. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I, I did it. I don't know why I we went, made it. We got it. I don't know why I went yeah. against my gut on how to pronounce it. Welcome to the show, Adam. Happy to have you on on this side of things. Mm-hmm. Yes, thanks for having me. It's 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 fun to be uh, uh, on the microphone on this show and not just shouting into the void. <laughs> sure, shut up. Uh, for those of you who don't know, who don't pay attention to the show notes, and why would you? Um, <laughs> Adam edits every other episode of this show. Uh, he shares those duties with Scott Tofty, who will be a guest. Sometime next year. We already have him lined up for something, but it's next year. And uh, funnily enough, Tofty is editing this one, and Adam will be editing the one that Tofty's on. So it all worked out great. <laughs> yeah, it, people often say that uh, the closest thing to feeling like a ghost is listening to a podcast where you know the thing they're trying to uh-huh. they're trying to say or like mm. the thing they got wrong. But it's ten times worse when you're editing that episode. <laughs> Yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. It's like, oh, oh I just, ah. <laughs> yeah. I know what they're trying to say, especially as a comic book aficionado. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Yes. A stump. I guess you could say that. Speaking of which, where, 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 does, your, uh, where does your X-Men history come from? Uh, personal, personal history. So I, I kind of share a personal history with, with one of the previous guests. I think it was Travis Bowe said he got into X-Men through the Skybox trading cards. Yeah. For me, it was the 1994 Fleer Ultra run of X-Men trading cards, which are rising in um, value yet again on eBay. (laughs) So I should probably dust off that big shoebox full of them in the basement and see if I can get get some cash. Yeah. But yeah, so like I got really obsessed with those. I got obsessed with a couple of the artists. That were on those, like Bill Sinkovich was was one that popped up a lot. Specifically, his card of Cable is what got me kind of obsessed with Cable. Mm. But uh, from there, a well-meaning family friend bought me a subscription to Uncanny X-Men back when you could do that through the mail. Oh yeah, and then uh, I, I guess think the you rest technically they... still can. I just don't think anyone does. It's like how yeah. like you can still get discs from Netflix, right? But 
Sure. <laughs> well, technically, I don't think it's called Netflix if you do that. I think it's something else. Okay. They've, they've now made it a different company entirely for oh. some reason. Yeah. But yeah, I, I guess then the rest is is kind of history. I've been kind of hooked on X-Men ever since. Kind of on and off. You know, you, you fall off sure. with certain storylines here and there. Especially with X-Men. They make it almost impossible to follow along X-Men unless you have, you know, all of the money and time in the world to buy and read everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the I mean, the, the fact that you fell in love with Cable through a trading card is so emblematic of the character because yeah, yeah. he has he has such a strong immediately dynamic visual look whether it's like from the animated series or the comic book as a kid you're like whoa who's that and yeah. and then on then on a trading card it's just a list of stats mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it cre- it creates this this hunger this like almost thirst of like what else can i learn about this guy cuz now it's all i care about and then that leads to walking into a comic book store and going, hey, what can you tell me about Cable? And then walking out with $300 worth of trades. Yeah. Yeah. I think Cable is one of the only characters from the 90s that, like, I guess I guess Deadpool, too, uh, as well. So good thing we're talking about both of them together. Yeah. But, like, you know, of all of those characters that were kind of created in the 90s, I think a lot of them, people got really hooked on the way they look the visuals of them but their stories and their character were kind of garbage almost always like almost unanimously yeah they were usually trash and and cable and deadpool were kind of the only two that hung around long enough for people to be like we really need to make them cool right like inside and out and and try to find a story that sort of like builds them out a little bit more but in general i think that people who really like those 90s characters they'd see these visuals and they'd be like that guy is awesome. That's my guy. And then would read these comics that were trash. Yeah. But we're like, yeah, but he's my guy. I have to read his comics. Like, I have, you know, and we're just like reading yeah. it because they were hungry for like a good story with that character. I think if I had tried to read those X Force books when I first had that imprinting. Yeah. Well, first of all, I probably it probably would have gone over my head because I was in fourth grade, but I probably would have hated it. And yeah. it, it, it takes until somebody like me who has like that immediate connection to a character is allowed to then write that character. Yeah. That's where it, that's where it really gets fleshed out. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's been cool like you know as an in and out kind of like medium level fan in my own opinion seeing how creators like Scott said have like made the character of Cable Alex Summers sing like in that Powers of X like title that we keep talking about that I read like Kate, young young adult Cable was one of my favorite characters. Teen Cable is is the best. <laughs> Yeah, and his dynamic with Cyclops is, like, really cool in those books. Mm. Yeah, how they're doing the dad and son thing. Like, all of that, through their whole history, all of the baggage that they carry, they're, like, going to go fishing together and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Some fun stuff. So, so is Cable your favorite mutant, or is there someone else that you're a little little closer to? I mean, it, it fluctuates. Lately, it's been Cable, and it... It started to be Cable during, um, there was this run, oh gosh, maybe 10 years or so ago at this point, where there there was, it, it was, it, so we, we know about M-Day, which is where all of the mutants were almost erased by Scarlet Witch, and there was one mutant born since then, and like everybody wanted, had some agenda with this this one mutant baby, and they just gave it to Cable and went, just take her into... 
time and space and just protect her. Mm-hmm. And that was that started this this Dwayne Trzinski run of Cable, where Cable was just skipping around through time, protecting this this child Hope from Bishop, who had it in his head that Hope would be the reason his future sucked so much. Mm-hmm. So Bishop was trying to kill Hope as a baby. Mm-hmm. If this all sounds kind of familiar. <laughs> it's the opposite of the story we're about to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So Hope Hope being a character in it, uh yeah. you know, but is Cable's literal daughter. Um Well, not literal daughter, but I mean he is who raised her. So No, I mean in the movie. Oh, in, in, in the movie. In yeah, the movie it's, it's his literal daughter. Yeah. See, this is already confusing. We're talking about Cable after yeah. all. Yeah. Yay, <laughs> cable. <laughs> so so what is your do you remember seeing the x-men movies for the first time and like what your your overall thoughts on this fox franchise of x-men has been yeah i I remember when the first x-men movie came out i was so excited that i went out and bought the novelization before the movie came out and mm-hmm. read it and spoiled the whole movie for myself because i just couldn't wait mm-hmm. and just yeah that was like the greatest thing ever uh, only because it was just x-men on screen like that that movie kind of wears off over the years. Sure. Especially with all of the, the movies they've made since. Lately, my girlfriend and I, uh, Rachel, she's my co-host on, on TMNT Minute. Rachel and I have, have recently rewatched all of the Marvel movies in timeline order. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we should do this with X-Men. And then <laughs> we sat down and started trying to put that together. We're like, this is impossible. We'll no. have to watch Days of Future Past twice. Yes. Like, that's the only way to make it make sense. And even then... It's yeah. <laughs> you know, gosh, I'm definitely not the first person to make this comparison, but there is something so much about being a comic book fan and a superhero fan to like being like a medieval scholar piecing together like <laughs> like just bibles and mythologies together. Uh-huh. And it, it's especially so with X-Men. Like every time a new X-Men movie comes out, the critique is, well, the the storyline was just too confusing mm-hmm. and there was too many things going on at once and it was hard to figure out who was who and what was what. And I'm like, so it's an X-Men story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like, point of, point of right so they did, they, they did the job. They made yeah. an X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. In a, in a way, Fox uh, adapted X-Men in the, in the most uh, honest and uh, loyal way possible. <laughs> yeah. The most X-Men way possible. Just making it the most confusing <laughs> mess. <laughs> yeah. And the, yeah. Despite my best interest watching Deadpool 2 today, mm-hmm. I found myself like finding pieces of connective tissue. I kind of became Wally finally. Yeah. yeah. And like, wait, maybe it does all fit. And yeah, yeah. we'll talk about I, I mean, the, yeah. I, I still I still believe that there's a way to make it fit. I just don't know what that is, aside <laughs> from literally just starting to re-edit some movies. Yeah. Yeah. That's really the mystique ending of Days of Future Past. I mean, that's that's what just throws everything off. Like that's <laughs> that it breaks the entire universe. <laughs> it's a nadir for sure. Yeah. But I will tease that listeners, I found myself reevaluating some stingers that we've been jiving on. Yes. Uh, we'll talk about it. Yes. I actually have, I know what you're going to say, and I have something probably to add on to that. Right. that, that <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love but, that we're synced on this. Yes, yes. So so uh, Deadpool then. Let's talk about Deadpool and, and the character of Deadpool, Adam, your connection to Deadpool and the first movie and, and you know what that was like and the lead up to, to this film before we start getting into uh, development. For sure. I'm not I'm not typically a huge Deadpool fan. Mm-hmm. Um mostly I just don't like the the particular kind of bro, mm-hmm. like the the comic book bro that 
latches on oh, to yes. the character, it kind of leaves a sour taste. Mm-hmm. But I like I, I went into the first movie kind of uh, like going, okay, it's a Deadpool movie. Deadpool nerds are going to love it. But then ended up really liking it. Mm-hmm. And then doubly so the second one, aside from some plot issues that we'll get into. When but. you edit the Deadpool episode, you're going to feel like uh, you were reading my mind or I was reading yours. Because we had the exact <laughs> same story. In terms of <laughs> watching you, that first you, Deadpool you will movie. Feel, you will feel a connection that transcends space and time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's just like, like th- there's a part of me that's just pure wrath that wants those fans to not get what they want. Yep. And they somehow got what they want, but also we got a good movie out of it. So it's just like... It's like the Snyder Cut. Well, you know. well they got what they want, but it also includes a scene of Deadpool getting pegged, which is something they absolutely <laughs> do not want. So I right. really like that. That's that. I'm like a big fan of stuff like that. <laughs> so, yeah. And then so uh, in the lead up to, to Deadpool 2, which is a much bigger in scope film than oh, yeah. the first Deadpool, uh, much more of an X-Men movie. Than an X Men universe movie than the first. I mean, it's Deadpool. more of an X Force movie, really. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but what what was the you know what what did you think coming up to it? Because you know, being a Cable fan and getting jo- Josh Brolin as Cable, you know, we had that tease at the end of the previous film about about Cable's going to be in the next one, and yeah. and I remember that being like a long drawn out thing of like who's going to play Cable, who are they going to get? Did you have someone in mind that you wanted to play Cable, and then it ends up being Josh Brolin? Or I mean, it was it was always Bruce Willis for me. Oh, like, interesting. Like I, I just I can't not see Bruce Willis as that character. It's like it's almost impossible. Sure, but Josh Brolin is kind of a, a fresh new take on the character too. Like they gave him kind of like a cool haircut mm-hmm. and stuff, which which I I don't know if they did this on purpose. Young Cable kind of has the same haircut in the comics, which I always get a kick out of. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I Josh Brolin did great as Cable. It's just I wish he wasn't also Thanos. Sure. Is, is kind of a, a weird thing, but you know, Chris Evans was Johnny Storm and Captain America, so who cares? That's true. But I do remember, the, and, and you know, as we'll get into it, the beginning of this movie is the like sticking point for a lot of people. There's a lot of people who just think that this movie is actively bad because of the <laughs> Vanessa problem. Yeah. And you know, I think we, I have a lot to say about that, but I want to save that for later. But in general, I think this is a really fun movie. I think it's one of the most it, it is the movie that feels the most like reading an x-men comic book and uh you know and that's that's not to say that like you know days of future past feels like an x-men movie this feels like an x-men comic book i don't know <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> you know it feels it, like you know what's so magical about a comic is yeah. it's just like you're peeking into just another day in this beautiful universe yeah yes yes absolutely whereas a movie has to always feel like a big tentpole event yeah 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 I really like this, and I gotta say, rewatching it, I liked it more than I even remembered liking it originally. So Same. I had a really good time with this, uh, rewatching it this morning. Nick, what about you? Very similar with, with the two of you. I just think this is just a really fun ride, and yeah, I've seen it multiple times since theaters, but it always kind of it doesn't stay in my brain very long. Mm-hmm. But then whenever I come back to it, it's just, yeah, it's like a fun. It's like picking up a trade from your shelf. Mm-hmm. And I really love, you know, I guess the equivalent of loving the art. I think the action is really fun in this. Yes. Yeah. And the visual flair, the up, the upping of that ante is just really enjoyable. And I think David Leach has a lot of fun 
in this like comic book world. Wait, 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 David Leach. But <laughs> what happened to Tim, Nick? Oh no, you're not Tim. <laughs> so yeah, the cable of it all had been on the table since Deadpool before Deadpool even came out in August of 2015. Uh, Tim Miller said that he was worried he would be quote run out of town on a rail if Cable wasn't in the sequel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it, turns out it doesn't matter if he is or not. You're still getting run <laughs> yeah, out of town yeah, on a rail. Yeah. <laughs> little, little, little did he know. But <laughs> yeah, it just the two characters were just always talked about together because of their relationship in the comics. And literally uh, the first appearance of Deadpool, he is hired to kill Cable. Oh cool. Like his introduction is like Cable gets punched from off camera or from off panel, turns and then boom, introduction of Deadpool and he's like Deadpool motherfucker and then like they they like fight. That's the first <laughs> appearance of Deadpool. So yeah, that's that's fun. They are completely synced as that, characters. That reminds me of how like if you pick up Avengers number 1, it's about them like stopping an alien invasion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's that accurate. Yeah, absolutely. In an interview in September of 2015, Simon Kinberg actually said that uh, in regards to Cable, Cable was almost in Days of Future Past, but would have made sense. Yeah, it was cut during the like rewriting process. You know, we talked about last time with Preethi that Deadpool was like a word of mouth hit and that built up after release. And that was true, but it wasn't like the hit wasn't entirely not seen coming. In February of 2016, the same month the movie came out, The Hollywood Reporter announced that Fox was very intent on keeping the Deadpool team together, the team being screenwriters Rhett Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, star Ryan Reynolds and producer Ryan Reynolds, and director Tim Miller. Mm -hmm. And in April of 2016, after the movie was a big, huge hit, Reynolds and Miller confirmed that they were going to be working on Deadpool 2 together at CinemaCon. However... Tim Miller was never officially signed on to direct. He was consulting during the script writing process. Mm -hmm. And uh, the script writing process this time would be Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, and Ryan Reynolds. Right. Writing together from the jump. Reynolds did like notes and rewrites in Deadpool, the first one, which I learned during the researching process of this. Ryan Reynolds likes to write on all of his movies if he can. Mm -hmm. Whether it's credited or uncredited, he's just very hands-on. And like mm-hmm. he, he calls it a survival mechanism mm-hmm. in an interview. But uh, so, yeah, so they were going to be, the three of them were going to be writing the script with Tim Miller Consulting. By October of 2016, Tim Miller would be off the movie. Creative differences would be cited. Mm-hmm. And those specific creative differences have been much discussed and mm-hmm. much like rumored upon. There's like YouTube videos about it. <laughs> there was some discussion about Reynolds renegotiated his deal in the wake of Deadpool 2. He had spent like a decade trying to get this movie made. And now that it was a big hit, he wanted to renegotiate his deal. Mm-hmm. And that included, in addition to like money stuff, casting approval and creative control. Mm-hmm. And like there were some reports that this process took longer than they thought it would. And that left time for creative differences to be found. So, like, there's been a lot of rumors about Tim Miller wanting to make a weirder movie. And... Even weirder? (laughs) Or something more just like his special effects, weird stuff. Whereas Mm. Ryan Reynolds wanted it to be a raunchy comedy. Mm -hmm. And then there were more rumors that uh, Kyle Chandler was in early major talks to be Cable. 
That's right. I remember that. And and yeah. they were no yeah. one was into it except for so, Tim Miller. So some right? dude, yeah, some dude <laughs> on a podcast was like, I heard a rumor that Kyle Chandler, Deadpool, and then the rumor was, yeah, that Tim Miller wanted Kyle Chandler. Nobody else did. The studio went with Ryan Reynolds, and Tim Miller left, and Kyle Chandler was not Deadpool. I truly believe sixty percent of Josh Brolin in this movie is fine. And then there's like 40% where he's really, really good, right? Mm -hmm. But like most of it, he's just kind of fine. And I feel like while it's a weird choice to have Kyle Chandler play Cable, I think I'm way more interested in the weirder casting than I am with Josh Brolin, which just feels kind of like, yeah, okay. Like I remember when they announced (laughs) that he was playing Cable, I was just like, oh, okay. All right, yeah, sure, sure Josh Brolin. Yeah. That, that, he, that he, seems like correct, he's I guess. Not the most, I he's not the most exciting name that I'm going to read off during the story. Yeah. But like you said, Scott, I found myself thinking about past franchiseography episode, Men in Black 3. Yes. Where I think that Josh Brolin had a lot more room to play and trying to build a character. How do we keep doing this with all the connections between all of the franchises we've covered already? Hollywood's experience. <laughs> we, we didn't talk about it with Logan last week, but that was good old Beltrami back from our Scream days uh, oh, yeah. scoring Logan. Oh, so it's like, it, like every sport. franchise has connections somewhere. It's, it's crazy. All, it's all connected. I don't know how we um, did that. However, Hollywood. So, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so in my research, I actually found um, an article from December of 2016 where Miller dispelled a lot of the rumors. Mm-hmm. Quote, I never wanted to make some stylized movie three times the budget. I wanted to make the same kind of movie we made before and I, because I think that's what's right for the character. Kyle Chandler was not going to be Cable. We, mm. had, we had a few arguments, nothing more than usual. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there was also rumors that, like, things got heated and, like, you know, bridges were burned and whatnot. Uh. And I did find details into what Tim Miller actually, like, was going to do with – wanted to do with Deadpool 2. Okay. And we can talk about that as it comes up sort of in the plot process. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, because it involves the opening scene of the movie. Oh, okay. Gotcha, um, that, gotcha. That, that we can talk about. And Ryan Reynolds's part, he wrote something that I thought really interesting that I wanted to share, kind of his side of the story. Uh, he was like, I knew, I know when I need to exert control and when I need to let go of it. Miller on the first movie really handled like the special effects stuff. He's a wizard, but my thing was with characters and tone. And also, I've been with this thing the longest out of anybody aside from guys in comics. Eleven years, I've been trying to get the Sisyphus rock up on a hill. <laughs> so I'm gonna be all the fuck over it from the moment it starts to the moment it's finished. Mm-hmm. So it just seems it was I guess it's just interesting to me after talking about all of these to find in Ryan Reynolds, someone who is like very hands on and opinionated about this thing that he's also the face of. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's an ambassador for the character in that yeah. sense. Like he he knows what's going to work and what's not going to work because he spent so much time with the character. It's such a great force to have on the creative side of things because like you guys have have pointed out so many times, you often lose sight of the movie you started making by the time by the time it comes out. So right. having yeah yeah, and yeah. the movie though they were starting to make here with Deadpool two, I'm estimating that from what I've read in my research that Tim Miller was really interested in digging deeper into the Deadpool side of things, mm-hmm. like this character. What's next for this character? But this was a new age at Fox. 
And this was in the new kind of chapter in this like weird IP sequel universe wars that we're in, in like 2017. Mm -hmm. And the attitude over at Fox was that the X-Men franchise was starting to fade and maybe it was time to retire the ship. Mm -hmm. And the new model was going to be X-Force and new mutants. Mm -hmm. That was the future. And I want to live in that future, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there's moments, yeah, where it's like, God, there's an alternate universe where all of their plans that they had <laughs> happened. Yeah. yeah. It could have if they had not sold to Disney, but you know. For sure. It kind of, it's so crazy. In all my research, they're having all these plans and hinting all these things and in interviews on Collider and Hollywood Reporter. And there's this big iceberg that they have no idea that's coming. That right. is like, oh, Disney's just going to absorb you and none of it's going to matter. And, and it has nothing to do with them is the crazy yeah. thing. It's like it has absolutely no, no one working at Fox Studios has any idea that like their parent company is just going to sell them off, you know, mm -hmm. like and, like the family cow. Yeah. And <laughs> Warnick and Reese said in interviews. Some magic beans. <laughs> yeah. Warnick and Reese stated they felt a responsibility to bring X-Force into the Deadpool franchise. Whether that's responsibility to quote the fans or responsibility to some kind of mandate of like, hey, we need to keep this ball rolling. Everything needs to be introducing more stuff and more movies. So X-Force from the get-go was a big part of the screenwriting process. And fitting that into Wade's story and still making this feel like Deadpool 2 took a lot of effort and a lot of wiggling around. Maximum effort, you might say. You might say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at one point, uh, so much maximum, uh, maximum effort was being spent that uh, Drew Goddard was brought on as a screenwriting consultant. Mm -hmm. In fact, Drew Goddard was at one point attached to direct this movie. Yes, I remember that. Mm -hmm. But uh, that honor would ultimately fall to David Leach, the uncredited director, kind of co-mastermind of John Wick, the first mm -hmm. one. Director of Atomic Blonde would go on to direct uh, Hobbs and Shaw presents the Fast and Furious. I think I got that backwards. Mm -hmm. Drew, Drew Goddard did go on to write and direct that Deadpool two teaser, the suit that was in front of Superman. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, with the yeah the, the yeah the Superman like short film that was starring Deadpool. Yeah, Drew Goddard wrote and directed <laughs> that, and that's what like got me hyped for him directing Deadpool two. And then he it was like, I'm actually not going to do Deadpool two. I'm going to do the X Force movie. Yeah, and then that – so it was kind of seen that this movie was going to – they were going to use Deadpool as a Trojan horse because he was a popular big smash hit that nobody saw coming. They were going to retroactively make it like the jumping off point of this X-Force franchise, X-Force movie. Right. Uh, the people were going to get so gassed off of Deadpool 2 that they're going to be like, X-Force, X-Force. <laughs> and the sort of screenwriting magic that Reese Warnick and Reynolds found was whereas – Deadpool 1 was a romantic comedy at heart. This was going to be a family movie at heart. That <laughs> yes. As the movie sta states emphatically at the yes. in like the opening 30 seconds. It's a family movie in the same way that Boogie Nights is a family movie. <laughs> right. Yes. Excellent point of reference. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> in the X-Force, Wade's going to like find a family. And, 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 and we'll talk about that. There is something that I could not talk about. Uh, in regards to the production of the movie, but I wanted to bring it up at the front rather than bring it up when it comes up in the movie because that just seemed disrespectful. A woman uh, died during the making of this movie. Oh, right. Yeah. On, on August 14th, Saquana Joy Harris, who had been hired as a stunt woman, died in a motorcycle accident. Uh, she lost control of the motorcycle, hit a curb, 
and was thrown along like the side of a highway in Vancouver near the Shaw Tower. I forgot that was this movie that that happened on. Yikes. It, it was yeah. actually, crazily enough, it was uh, even tragic. It, it was one of two accidents that year. Yeah. That resulted in the, in the death of a stunt person. Yeah. There was like a lot of stunt person deaths well, in and around this this period of time. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, just a little bit about uh, Saquana Joy Harris. She was born in Brooklyn and was the first African-American woman to uh, be licensed as a motorcycle racer mm. in 2013. And uh, she had been a racer, uh, even snagged a circuit win in 2017. And Deadpool 2 was her first time on a movie set. It was her, her first credit. And so this incident happened. Production was set, shut down for 48 hours. And there were big investigations. Um, in August of 2017, The Hollywood Reporter put out this article, like kind of going into detail. They found this guy, Conrad Palmasano, who was a stunt coordinator and a second unit director that was like, hey, this shouldn't have happened. It's apples and oranges. It's night and day. You meet racers or drivers all the time that have to unlearn all kinds of stuff. At the end of the day, stunt people, you know, spend hundreds of hours learning how to fall and learning how to crash and do things, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there were some highly questionable things that came out of this investigation. Like at, at the time of the, of the article that had been published, they found out that she had just been hired that previous Wednesday. Oh, my God. And they had two days to rehearse the scene, and then they, you know, did, ran it five times. But at the end of the day, there are going to be mistakes, and experience is experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and with all the with the quotes and people that I found, they were just saying like, "Yeah, this shouldn't have happened." She wasn't wearing a helmet uh, because she wasn't there long enough for them to mold and build a helmet to go over the wig, uh, the Zazie Beats character, Domino. Mm -hmm. That's the thing I don't understand. Like, you can't just make a green screen helmet, like like a helmet that's just green, and then you just throw Zazzy beats his head over it. Um, yeah, in post. I, that is that something you do in post anyway nowadays? Right. Like, yeah. Crazy. Like Scott said, there were at the time there was these accidents and tragedies and deaths that you know, as an audience member, yeah, I go to movies to be wowed and see things that take my breath away, but I don't think I would ever want someone's safety to be compromised for believability mm -hmm. they had reported yeah. that the reason she had been brought in harris was that her she matched zazzy beats mm -hmm. and that there was another stunt person that was willing to do the stunt that had 200 credits on imdb including motorcycle stuff but didn't mm -hmm. match right and it's it's just a movie at the end of the day so it, it's it's worth bringing up you know a tragedy Awful. Just wanted to, you know, honor Saquana Joy Harris. It was a, a really cool, I, you know, I had no idea who she was and then learned about a really impressive, amazing life that was cut far too short. Yeah, man. There were reports that the movie had been shooting very long hours, like 16 plus hours in a row. That was disputed by the studio, saying that there were only two 15 plus hour days weeks ago. But, you know, it's still, it's it, it kind of, we, we bring it up on the show sometimes where like these dates are set and these plans are made and these franchises and universes. And then like, we don't take into account that these are people trying to make these things and people get tired and need training and experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really too bad. It's just a movie. And I mean, it's like, it's Deadpool too. I, I don't know. 
Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I like this movie a lot, yeah. but it's not worth 15-hour days. Or, or a human life. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that I mean bare minimum, different... it's not worth 15-hour days. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it, it puts a much different price tag on the, on the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Jeez. you know, and to, I guess, I guess try to steer things. It just felt important to bring that up. But, you know, this is a movie that I enjoy. I enjoy watching. And I think good work is inside of this but also this is, is true and happened and yeah. hopefully if nothing else is seen as we have to studios have to take like take stuff like this into account and hold it paramount. Yeah. I think that there's <sighs> stunts are a complicated thing for me personally. There is a whole contingent of people who are like there should be there should absolutely be an Oscar for stunts like best stunt performance or whatever. And I understand that, but I also agree with the argument that all that's gonna do is up the ante to dangerous degrees of like people wanting to win that Oscar. And so they do insane stunts that no one should safely be trying to do. And then, you know, and then there's also the arguments of people saying like, well, practical is always better. And like, yeah, that's true. I know that that's true, but also not to the sense of like something like this. Why can't we just do a CGI person on a motorcycle? Why do we need a practical motorcycle if this is the kind of thing that's going to happen? It's not worth it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a threshold there. Yeah. I, 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 I'm the first guy to yell too. practical effects when you have, you know, entire characters who are CGI or you have a, a movie about a guy and a dog and the dog is CGI. Yeah. Like, you know, Whatever, but like there is a threshold where it's like, how about you know yeah. we do use this technology to keep people safe? Yeah, like the, the unspoken sort of thing in the audience is like, oh, I love practical effects. Part of the trick is that it's safe, mm-hmm. right? You know, a magician isn't—I wouldn't call a magician a great magician because he actually cuts his finger off, right? Like they were actually this was actually you know no no one was ever in any you know and with skill and time and experience and not cutting corners. Right, like like it sounds like happened on on, on this production. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which is a shame, but yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in this movie. I think Deadpool two in many ways was sort of the casualty of the time that it came out during this like weird arms race between Fox and Disney and Marvel at large. This was also during like the weird Spider Man Venom verse stuff. Right. Yeah, because this came out the same year as Infinity War. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just weird that this Same became weird. This became a movie that, this became a franchise that at the start was like nobody cared about and was like dead in the water and nobody wanted to a thing that people were willing to like work people to the bone and cut corners on to get out on time because now it's the big like star of the of the fleet this year. Right. Right. That's a big year for Josh Brolin, isn't it? Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A guy could retire on a year like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the distracting part about him being Thanos is that it was literally like two months ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, like we just saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's get into Deadpool 2. Because I, I, I want to say I forgot how this movie opened. I knew that it opened with him like <laughs> blowing himself up. But, you know, we just watched Logan last week. And it's it was so sad, but like so cathartic. And we were just talking about how great a moment it is and how great how, how it feels so good, but it's so sad. And then this movie opens and I'm like, God damn it, Deadpool. <laughs> like just, <laughs> just instantly, just like an instant salve over how I felt at the end of Logan of just like, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's still it's still just Wolverine. Like it's fun. Like it's okay it's to laugh about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it was like that Logan music box is the funniest way to open this movie. I love yeah. it so much. Because it's right away it's... saying like, oh, Deadpool's job in this world is to just always take the piss. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's so good. But yeah, then he blows himself up and says that, uh, you know. I die in this one too. Yeah, you're yeah, you're probably wondering how I got here. Um, one of those openings. Yeah, that that really tropey. We're gonna start the movie twenty minutes in and then go back and yeah, there's a lot of that lately. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then we get this sort of Deadpool international assassin yeah. to the tune of Nine to Five by Dolly Parton, and it is a really fun. Very Deadpool sequence. It's probably the most like the first movie that this movie ever feels is is this sort of nine to five sequence. It's also the most like a David Leach film that this movie ever feels. Yeah. Dolly always slaps, man. Yeah, that's always. true. Yeah, it's a great sequence that's immediately the movie kind of giving the audience playing the hits right away, mm-hmm. but in a fun victory lap way because like immediately it looks better. The, the It has that kind of sw- quick John Wick like showing every move, breaking it down, but then taking advantage of like Deadpool's power, which David Leach was really excited by. He like, oh, he could like shove a knife through his own hand if it kills a guy or like yeah. break his own ankle and swing it at a person. And so he had a lot of fun finding like moments like that. Yeah. It's a really fun, really great sequence. And I do think the sort of semi-ironic use of total forgotten bangers that's like that's sort of like Deadpool's thing. Like that's yeah. that's what these movies have been doing, and it kind of rules. I'll be honest. Like I, I really <laughs> like they really double up on it in this one because obviously their music budget is probably a lot more uh, a lot larger <laughs> with this one. But it it rules. I would say that this has arguably as good of a soundtrack as Guardians Volume Two or something. Oh yeah, it's really emblematic of like because I feel like Guardians James Gunn kind of wants to find these gems that maybe you haven't for- heard like Lakeshore Drive or Come and Uh Get Your Love. Like, oh, you haven't heard this, you know, kind of forgotten gems. But Deadpool is unafraid to just, like, no, the ones you hear every Saturday when you turn on the radio. Like, we we belong together. Take on me. Yeah. And, yeah, this is not a subtle movie. No, no, not at all. It's candy. It's just pure, just a big bowl of nerds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Dopinder gets a, an arc in this movie as Deadpool runs away from a bunch of people trying to kill him, which I've never really understood because I don't know what they had that the other <laughs> all the other ones were like didn't didn't have. I don't know why he's running from those people. Well, it's a Raiders um, reference, Scott. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know it's a Raider. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, Dopinder's uh, arc in this is that he wants to be a contract killer. He's he, he wants to go through the training. He he says he wants to be uh, <laughs> Kirsten Dunst um, in an interview with a vampire. And uh, I I love that as someone who hosted almost 400 episodes of maybe over 400 episodes of Spider-Man minute that joke where Ryan, where where Deadpool's like Kristen Kirsten Kristen like that is <laughs> a very good joke <laughs> you ever watch a comic book movie and you can imagine what the text bubbles would look like yes yes i could see that being like cut up yeah beat by beat for beat kind of yeah that's vertical. actually that is one aspect of Deadpool from the comics that they don't because he has like three distinct speech bubble rules concepts, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. like the things he's saying out loud, yeah. the the fourth wall one, and what's the other one? Thought maybe because I know when it's like fourth wall breaking, it's like in yellow, right? Isn't that the rule? 
Well, yeah. I, I think he's I think he's always in yellow anymore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like there used to be like in the uh in the is it was it Joe Kelly that had the really long run on the book? He introduced this sort of like three-tier dialogue thing with Deadpool and I forget what the other one was, but whatever it is, they don't use it in in this in the in these movies. They have not adapted that third speech bubble, that third level of uh of Deadpool in a cool uh, like Scott bubble. Pilgrim kind of way. Yeah, yeah. I I would be curious. I don't know if it's like, yeah, is it is it narration? I don't remember what it is. I do like the moments where he like mugs at the camera and like says something directly to the camera and then we cut to a different angle and he's still looking the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how they do that. Yeah. They kind of show that yeah, he's talking to a camera that's not there. And the other yeah. characters just chalk it up to like, oh wait, it's insane. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's Wade and Vanessa's anniversary. N- unsure on what anniversary it is. Is it the anniversary of the ski ball? Is it the an- did they get married? I know that they were engaged, but we uh, they never clarified if they're married now or not, or if they're just like saying they yeah, are. Or, almost almost like it's not a central focus of the screenwriter's intent right now. Almost like it's an afterthought. Yeah, crazy. So it's their anniversary, whatever anniversary that happens to be. He gives her the and- coin though, so that maybe that's credence to the, it's the anniversary of their first date. Oh yeah, it could be. That's that's true. But yeah, she reveals that she is ready to have a baby with with Wade and they're going to start trying for a baby and then immediately gets fridged in the time it takes to cook a toaster strudel. So, <laughs> as the movie points out. As the movie points out. That whole thing with the IUD, like is that something people do cuz that's weird to me. Yes. Ugh. I don't well like the 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 giving it as a gift. I don't think that's a thing. I think that's. Uh, I, think no, that's no, I mean, thing. I know, I know, an IUD is a thing that people use. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, I think I think it's a thing that like Vanessa is doing just because it's like her. It's gross. And yeah, weird it's and it's funny. gross and very like in character of like a girl that Deadpool would be into. I guess mm-hmm. I don't think that's a normal thing. I think that's very much a screenwritery <laughs> thing. So let's talk about the fridging of Vanessa. Yeah, um, I have mixed feelings about it. One, I love Vanessa as a character. I I really love Marina Bachran. I love what she brings to Deadpool as a character in terms of like the the sort of romance angle. Um, I really like it's it was my favorite part of the first film by a country mile. So I do get people being very upset that she gets killed. However, my feeling is that the movie ends with him undoing it, and so she's very much alive now. Um, at the end of the movie. And that's why, you know, it does feel like it's fridging for convenience. It's like we have nothing for her to do in this movie. It's a screenwriter problem. Sometimes you have too many characters. God knows writing Geek by Night for as long as we have, Nick. We know that sometimes you forget about a character or or you're just like, I don't know what to do with them. Let's put them somewhere and come back to them later. And I feel like that's kind of what they've done with her here because they do come back to her later. It's not like she's dead forever at the end of this. They immediately take it back and they're like, okay, don't worry. She'll be alive in the next one. It's fine. Yeah. So it is. it, I, it gives me mixed feelings about it. Like, is it a proper fridging? I don't know. I'm not sure if it counts. I don't know. Because it does feel like she'll be back. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. So this was actually sort of the the crux, I believe, of the, the Miller-Reynolds-Reese-Warnick-Fissure that occurred. Okay. Uh, in an article that I read, I think it was Screen Rant or Screen Crush, one of those, Miller went into more detail about what he would, uh, what he wanted to do with Deadpool 2. This may have even been after Deadpool released and made the money that it was going to make and all that stuff, you know, when it was more civil to go into detail. 
Uh-huh. And uh, according to Miller, the relationship between Vanessa and Wade was central to his movie. He uh-huh. was like, that was the heart of Deadpool 1. This It should be the heart of Deadpool 2. Him and Miranda Baccarin had talked about uh, introducing Vanessa's copycat persona into this movie. Mm. Copycat being like a shapeshifter in the comics of Vanessa's character. Right. Is like known as copycat. Yeah. She's blue in the comics, I think. Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she, Why do they always have to be blue? I, I don't, don't know. <laughs> I have a put a pin in that, Adam. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so that was kind of, yeah, like it, like Deadpool 2 in Tim Miller's mind was like a continuation on the themes of Deadpool 1 and like continuing this relationship. But mm. uh, Reese Warnick and Reynolds and Fox had other ideas of and ideas involving X-Force and Wade needing mm-hmm. a family. And I, it seems to me like that had more of a impact than like, you know, one person wanting it to be weird and one person wanting it to be funny. Right. I think Reynolds and Warnick and Reese were just as interested in doing a personal story that furthered Wade as a character, but they just had very different ideas on how to do that than Tim Miller did. Yeah. I mean, you know, do I wish she was in the movie more? Sure. Yeah. But like, I don't know how you fit her into this plot. And so... I like that they kind of just put her on ice for a while and they give they get the plot moving with it and then at the end they're just like but also we introduced time travel so we're just going to undo this and yeah. uh she's not dead anymore. Yeah. We just needed her to be like gone in this particular movie. <laughs> yeah, and I had yeah. uh, I had specific opinions about what the movie trades in f- with Vanessa mm-hmm. in terms of like the drama and the mm-hmm. the family stuff and how effective that is in comparison mm-hmm. to Deadpool 1. Sure. But yeah, we'll get into it as we yeah, but Deadpool kills himself and then we get Yes. Do you have any do you have any thoughts on all of this Adam? It it's it's interesting. Like I I didn't really think of it this way until until you you kind of frame it this way. But yeah, it it sort of is a plot device. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a plot device this this character's death because it's what drives Wade throughout the whole movie. And I was thinking this whole time like imagine imagine seeing this movie and coming out of it, you know, especially with that ending with him bringing her back and all this other stuff and still being angry that she was dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's in, it's an interesting, it's like, oh, they killed her early on in the movie. It's like, yeah, but where is she now? The movie's over and she's fine. So yeah, Right, right. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see what, depending on what happens with Deadpool 3, which seems imminent, if Vanessa is like a major player in Deadpool 3, will that retroactively kind of make this movie age a little better? Or, do or if they, they just do it again. Oh, yeah. Or do they reboot Deadpool? It, like soft reboot him because he's now in the Marvel yeah. Studios canon. And now Deadpool's dating Amanda Seyfried or something. <laughs> or he's yeah. the only one who remembers the Fox movies at that point. Yeah. You're not yeah. Vanessa. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe it's a movie about Deadpool traveling through the multiverse to try to get her back. Oh, oh no. Boom. There you go. I don't I don't we don't need a movie with a hundred Deadpools in it. Be, I mean we don't whoever's... need it. We don't need any of these movies. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we don't we don't need Celine Dion singing an yeah. original song for, for Deadpool 2, but we get it. Yeah, true. Into the Deadpool verse. Credit sequence is fun, I think. Like just calling themselves out for like doing this thing they knew people were gonna be mad about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I thought was I thought was pretty clever. And good job making it look like a like a James Bond like opening credit sequence. I think they did a good job with that. Every movie should do this. I don't care if it's ironic or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we get this bar scene in which at some, I feel like I I want to know who realized this. If it was Ryan Reynolds or if it was uh, Wernick or or whoever figured this out that 
that the song from Yentl and the song I Want to Build a Snowman are like the same song. I like it. It almost feels like they were like, I mean, we have to do a Deadpool too, just so that we can tell everyone yeah. this universal oh, it, truth we've discovered. That was a realization that led to a whole entire Deadpool movie. Yeah. <laughs> In my heart, it feels like a Reynolds idea. Yeah. Maybe it's because like, he, why isn't anyone realizing this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I found wow. myself, uh, just that video where apparently, uh, like Blake Lively will sometimes like drop some killer lines for scripts that Reynolds is writing. Oh, really? Yeah. And like one of those talk shows, he was like, yeah, sometimes she'll be reading something and be like, oh, what if, what if a character said this or what if this happened? And Ryan Reynolds is like, oh my God, that like makes the movie better. <laughs> and then he'll tell people and they'll be like, wow, great idea, Ryan Reynolds. And he's like, this fucking town. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So then, yeah, so then we get a montage of, of Deadpool trying to Groundhog Day himself. Mm-hmm. The, apparently it was originally, like, even more, it had worse stuff that they had to trim back. Yeah, yeah, but it is, it's still pretty bad. And then we get the introduction of the Essex School and Russell yes. um, arriving at the Essex School. Now, Essex, of course, is what was introduced at the end of... Apocalypse, right? Yeah, the, the, the teaser the, of Apocalypse, the suitcase after you know picking up the pieces. Yeah, after the Essex attack. Corporation, and now this is the Essex School. Essex, of course, having a link to Mister Sinister, and I think they tease what... X twenty three pretty hard in that one too. I was real disappointed about that. Yeah, it's this weird hop, skip, and jump from because what that post credit scene in Apocalypse was actually setting up was New Mutants. It doesn't get paid off in New Mutants because they changed New Mutants, as we'll go into next week. But it was attempting to set up New Mutants. And this Essex school was supposed to be the school that is in New Mutants. Oh, man. It was the same school, except in New Mutants, it was in the 80s, and this was like modern day. And so they were saying, like, this is Essex school, and you're going to see Essex school again in New Mutants only you know, back when it was first opened as Maybe. a as a continuation from uh, Apocalypse. And I, yeah. I will get into more of that development story yeah. um, when we talk about New Mutants next week. But yeah, it was this like kind of three-part hop-skip-jump story of this Essex school, which I thought was a would have been really interesting and a really cool setup for Mr. Sinister. But um, it is what it is. Yeah, you know, we've been dogging on that stinger for a few weeks now and how useless and stupid it is. But <laughs> I, I think we might need to reevaluate. I think it's like, okay, so yeah, Essex is a place. This is kind of teasing Deadpool too. And like you said, like Essex could have been linked to Triogen, the company that made X23 and X24. Right. right. So I can see the pieces coming together. Yeah. I'll allow yeah. it, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> we get our boy Peter. Yeah. In this in this movie, as a villain, and he seems to be like a David Leach, like good luck charm, because he's also in Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, Eddie Marzen. Okay, cool. Eddie Marzen. Yeah, took me yeah. a minute. Yeah, it's like what? Peter Page. Uh, at first, I was like, is, is that Colossus's name? Pietro. No. Pietro? <laughs> no, it, his name is Peter. But okay. uh, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think just yeah, I mean, he's, he's a professional. He's a legend. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's a delight to work with. And I think it's cool that David Leach is one of those directors that will pick up a good luck charm and like find somewhere to drop this like really effective character actor in. Yeah. The one bummer about Eddie Marsden in this movie, though, was like I went to go write 
something happens to him later and I went to write his name and I was like, wait, what is his character's name? And I looked it up. His character's name is Headmaster. Like, he doesn't even have a name. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of a movie without a villain. Uh-huh. Or, you know, I was like trying to do my, like, okay, who's the antagonist? Who wants the opposite of what Wade wants? And it got a little muddy. Not that the movie has to do that, but like, yeah. you know. It's, I mean, it's cable for the majority of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and this guy's enough of a villain. He's just a Joseph Mengele. Yeah. You know, yeah. anyone can hate a guy like that, you know? Yeah. The 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 antagonist keeps jumping from character to character. Right. Yeah. Like, it starts off as grief, and then it becomes cable, and then it becomes Russell, and then it becomes... I guess Eddie Marzen or or the situation behind yeah. Eddie Marzen. It, it, yeah. it's, in, it's interesting that Deadpool one was such this bullet of like Wade good, Francis bad. Right. And but then That's the true. nature the nature of a sequel is making it kind of bigger and in scope and stuff. And well yeah, it, it, like almost all of the the villain surrogates in this movie turn out to not be villains at the end, but the only one who's still a villain is this hateful doctor. Right. Yeah. Which is very X Men. Yes. It, it's it's very X-Men and it and it's uh on brand for Deadpool who he himself is an anti-hero and so like yeah. You know, mm-hmm. having people who are villains who turn out to not really be villains and in fact anti-heroes makes a lot of sense. I also love that that scene towards the end where they give this doctor guy like 16 different chances to to redeem himself and he just keeps not doing it. <laughs> yeah. That's good. It, it's, it is on brand. Yeah, like Dead, Deadpool is the character who has has to deal with the ugly side of what the X-Men are fighting against. <laughs> yeah. That's that is on brand for 20th Century Fox's parent uh, company. so we move on to deadpool at the x mansion colossus finds him after he blows himself up yeah and brings him to the x mansion because he feels bad for him so this is like you're an x-men now this time the voice of colossus was also doing a facial capture performance oh Oh, okay that's fine yeah it does seem better Colossus seems like less like stiff yeah. in this one. His yeah. facial reactions and acting gets like a, gets big laughs out of me during parts of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more. I love I love Colossus. Yeah. Uh, Colossus is one of my favorite characters in X Men, and he's just such he's such a pure soul in this. <laughs> yes. It's great. I love it. I also I, I I kept getting distracted by the sound design on Colossus, like the the metal sounds mm-hmm. kind of. It suggests that he's hollow on the inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like what's under so there? So it's like, wait, yeah, and it's like, well, what would that sound like if it was solid metal? And it would just be like a slap, slap sound. Like there, it wouldn't. There's this kind of haunting moment in Days of Future Past that I don't think we talked about, where uh, Colossus is beheaded, and you see like his neck, and it it just looks like you just melted a, a toy. Hmm. Oh, weird. Like, wait, Whereas what? like his insides are metal, also. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is complicated. Even in the even in the <laughs> Green Knight, where his head gets cut off, you still see blood. And you're like, okay, yeah, so it has it, it bleeds blood. But this Deadpool in the X Mansion sequence is a lot of fun. It has a great fake out cameo from like the full X Men team. Yeah, um, love where they that quickly cameo. shut a door. <laughs> fun little story about love that about that. Yes, uh, please. That shot is directed by Simon Kinberg. Was it from the Dark Phoenix shoot? Yeah, they they literally uh, filmed it in... Dark Phoenix was filming concurrently at the same time. And so they all gathered together, shot that in Montreal, and then sent it over to Deadpool 2 in Vancouver, and they green-screened it in. 
Wow. That's great. That's awesome. I love that. Synergy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, so yeah, so yeah. that's that's I love that cameo. I think that's a lot of fun. I I like how <laughs> I like that he just constantly comments on the fact that there's no other X Men around, and they they he's like because Fox can't obviously can't afford any, and then it's yeah. just like no, they just don't like you. Like no, they, none of them <laughs> like you. <laughs> And they don't want to have a conversation with you. <laughs> it's funny too because that was a that was a, an actual criticism of the first movie. He's like, what? He goes to an empty X mansion where it's just Colossus mm-hmm. and one other character. Yeah. So it's just like I love those beats where he's like, let's call out some criticism we had in the yeah. first movie. Well, he called and... it out in the first film. He was like, oh, it's almost he was like, like oh, it's yeah, almost yeah, yeah, as yeah, if yeah. yeah, he's he's like it's almost as if Fox couldn't afford any others. And <laughs> and you know like yeah, there there's points there's fun nerd points to be made about like wait why is it. You know, Nicholas Holt and Evan Peters. And I really look at these Deadpool movies as like the mad magazine of comic book movies. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Where That's it, a really good way of, of looking at it, I think. Yeah. Where it's like anything goes. We all kind of know what's up. We're just having a laugh. Yeah. And then we're introduced to Cable in the future. Yes. As he comes back in time and we get another very important cameo, that of Alan Tudyk and Matt Damon talking <laughs> yeah. about wet wipes. <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently this came together because they were both friends of Josh Brolin and Ryan Reynolds. A lot of this was just kind of Ryan Reynolds. It reminded me a lot of, I think this is like the 2018 version of Cannonball Run, where mm-hmm. it's nice. It's kind of just a bunch of famous people calling their friends. I mean, like, do you want to like come have fun for a couple hours? Yeah. And I think this is like a good version of that. I think Hobbs and Shaw is like a more cloying version of that. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of this stuff really lands. Yeah, because like it, it's just a really fun moment. You don't even realize that it's Matt Damon. <laughs> he never gets I, close enough for yeah. you to realize that it's him, really. I, I didn't realize until like an hour after that when I was trying to look up who did the voice of Juggernaut that I noticed that they were Yeah. They were the two they were characters. Credited. I was like, oh it, my God. The- if you had told me that Ryan Reynolds had somehow pulled in Kevin Smith to write this scene. I would believe you. Like, yeah, the way oh, that yeah. Matt Damon is playing it feels exactly like Loki and Dogma. Like, it, that's great. Yeah, right on. It, it's exactly it's that Matt Damon. It's that specific Matt Damon. Yeah, my favorite. And it's that it's that same kind of textbook dialogue too. Yes. That yeah, of, like yeah. waxing poetic about like the most mundane stuff <laughs> yes. that no one ever thinks about. Yes, absolutely. That's what Kevin Smith used to be. Um, <laughs> uh, th- there, it was the talk of the town for a while. The search for cable. Who's mm-hmm. going to be cable? Yeah. Stephen Lang really wanted it to be Stephen Lang. Oh, God, did he ever. Uh, Boy. Uh, but I, I kind of wanted an older cable. I've always liked old man cable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, like There were possibilities that cable was kind of like a point of like what kind of where to go how tall should he be how old should he be yeah. uh michael shannon was attached to it for a while before scheduling conflicts prevented it scott shaking his head not the number one fan of michael shannon scott corelli i well no it's not <laughs> i know i, I just... like michael shannon but i like him when he's being a, like weirdo michael shannon way yes. more than tough guy michael shannon yes. tough guy michael shannon sucks <laughs> I like creepy fucking weirdo Michael Shannon. Like Michael Shannon in Knives Out, Michael Shannon in Shape of Water. That's <laughs> that's what I like. I don't I don't like General Zod and I feel like we would have gotten General Zod Michael Shannon. So For sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'm not into he's too kind of I feel like he's too scrawny for Cable. Like Cable to me is always a tank of a dude. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't in this, but like they kind of 
steered it in a different direction, which I ended up liking. I kind of like the whole dubstep cable thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it comes up a lot in this. Uh, Brad Pitt was pretty darn close to uh, to getting oh, wow. to getting the role. He sat down and talked about it, and it was scheduling more so than him like not wanting to get involved because truly that would have been absolutely incredible if they would have been like they would have just announced like brad pitt is playing cable like we got him like i feel like like you just you drop the banner banner and you're like we got him balloons would have dropped from the ceiling in whatever room i was in when i read that like yeah yeah that would have been god yeah there's even a concept art you can find pretty easily of they were really gunning for it of, of you know brad pitt with like the cable haircut and the armor and the robot arm and yeah he looks he looks he looks pimp um, yeah, because you think about Aldo Rain and Cliff Booth, and that's like the quote badass, but with this twist, this weirdness. Yeah, th- yeah, that would have been interesting. And you know, he would have done some kind of weird accent, which would have been cool. I'm Cable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, he just has like, and yeah. and he would have been constantly eating, which is like a whole side of cable that I think we've never seen before. Just Absolutely. like eating like weird, I don't know, like jerky or something out of his little <laughs> double bat, his little yeah. That always bothers me when you have a character that's always eating. I hate that. <laughs> well, that's every Brad Pitt character. I know. And uh yeah, at the time of his casting, I found all kinds of stories and quotes of Josh Brolin being like, "Yeah, I'm setting up stuff that's going to pay off in a three-film arc that we're developing." You know, Cable was going to be a big part of whatever X-Force plans they were going to try and make going forward but again there's there's an iceberg coming oh boy i like his future tech though i think it looks cool in this yeah Yeah. i like his whole ui that ar ui of him like fixing guns and stuff i I love that whole thing yeah yeah Yeah, no i i like the way that they adapted cable because I, 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 you know, when Stephen Lang really wanted it, I could, I just, I could see that whole movie <laughs> and that version of Cable. And it's like, yeah, that would be the Cable from the comics. But like, I don't know that I'm super interested in that. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. So I was, I, I was glad that they went with Josh Brolin and really like took it in a different direction and leaned into the future aspect of him. The versus like the '90s aspect of the mm-hmm. character. Um, what was interesting about him to me is he has the techno organic virus. Like it's if you squint, it's part of his old story. Yeah. But they don't really explain it. They don't make it a thing. It's just yeah. You just kind of yes and through it. They, and yeah. I love when comic book movies do that. Like they didn't give him an origin story, and right. that's fantastic. They made a point. Of I think finally to make it all possibly true, this guy could be Cyclops's dad. They're originally going to be like a smoldering portrait of Cyclops, and well, Cyclops' son. Son, misspoke, and, which makes it weirder. Yeah, and like they never, yeah, that could all still be true in a world where there was like two X Force movies. It could be like, by the way, this is my dad, Scott Summers. <laughs> oh man, it's still played by like a seventeen-year-old. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, Ready Player One. Yeah, it's like you don't know this yet, but you're my dad. <laughs> That's imagine if like Marty McFly was like 50 years old when he like met Lorraine and George. <laughs> Lorraine, George, you have to go to prom together. And he had a techno organic virus. Yeah, that, right. that's, that's a good movie. Um, <laughs> Crushes Biff with one hand. <laughs> so. 
So we find out that the Essex School is a mutant conversion camp, essentially. Yeah. Hate those. And Russell mm-hmm. busts out and attacks the school and is like held up outside. And Colossus brings Deadpool on his first mission to be like, okay, we got to soothe this. We got to, we got to, you know, chill this out. And obviously, Deadpool is um, the farthest character that you would want in a situation where you want to like chill things out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, there is Negasonic Teenage Warhead wearing one of my favorite iterations of the X Men suit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She looks dope as hell in this movie. I'll be honest. Hey, Yukio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yukio is also in this. You know, we mentioned this. Yeah. I had no idea she was in both this and the Wolverine, or that was supposed to be the same character. Reese and Warnick both said, like, yeah, it's a minor enough character that we can have, like, wildly different interpretations of her, which, yeah, I kind of have mixed feelings about. I mean, like, you know, yeah. there's so many characters in this in this universe. I understand that, like, you can't. But yeah, as someone who really dug Yukio in the Wolverine, it is like a little weird to see this like completely different. Um, this like Hello Kitty version of her. Yeah, in this. I, yeah, I do love this version of Yukio, but I do have that feeling almost every X Men movie where I go, "Why?" Out of all of the X Men characters, yes. why this one? Yeah, and I feel that way about Fire Fist. Like, why? Why Fire Fist? Yes. Like. Out of out of any other, it could have been Bishop. If you're just going to flip the coin on the on the Bishop and Cable story, make it Bishop, make it fun. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, Negasonic's relationship with Yukio was like really praised at the time. Uh, the president of Glad even like released a statement, uh, being like, "Oh, this is great because you know normally the genre doesn't, you know, is not as doesn't have a lot of LGBTQ characters, and you know, good good on you." But then also I saw like, you know, kind of a blowback to Yukio as a character is there was that thing going around where it was a collage of different Asian characters in like sci-fi genre projects. And like they all had that kind of dyed hair streak Mm -hmm. and were kind of seen to be cut from a very similar cloth. And so, yeah, I think it's a mixed bag like it always is when you when you're trying to do stuff like this and bring this franchise into the future and lift all kinds of different weights. This whole sequence kind of bleeds into what you were talking earlier about this really just feeling like an X-Men comic. Mm -hmm. Of They're just Mm -hmm. going on an adventure. They're just, this is like, oh, this is what happens like Monday through Friday in the X-Men universe. I love that. There was this Wolverine one shot from years ago that always sticks with me that it was just like a week in the life of Wolverine. Mm Mm-hmm. And it it was kind of pointing out the fact that he's on, like, 18 different X-Men teams, and a week for Wolverine must be just absolutely insane. (laughs) Like, what does this guy's Google calendar look like? Yeah. There's this... Just, like, uh, all these overlapping meetings, just... I can't remember what comic, but there was one moment where Wolverine was like, I wasn't wasn't on the Avengers, and Spider-Man was like, yeah, you were. We were on it together. And he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So, the Fire Fist thing goes poorly. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, Deadpool is who he is. Well, yeah, he he kind of takes this moment where he connects with Fire Fist and can see the trauma because, like, going back to the first movie of that was how Wade first connected with Vanessa. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool seeing that carry over into the sequel, that that is, like, kind of Wade's secret superpower. Right, right. There's, he, there's also, yeah. there's also uh, Cable's origin story kind of knitted into that, too. Oh, really? Because... Yeah, Cable was was tortured by uh, Mister Sinister as a child. Oh wow! Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, so there's there's a little bit of that there. 
But yeah, so he does a, a redux of the four or five <laughs> moments speech, which yeah. ends with him. Yeah, executing that guy's head like head off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just he, executing the shit out of that guy's head. He 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 made a move. He made a choice, and it has consequences. Yep. And then he goes. He and Firefist both uh, end up in mutant prison, uh, which is called the Ice Box. I can't figure out if it's supposed to be a reference to the fact that Vanessa was fridged. Oh, so this isn't from the Ooh. comics. I don't know. Is it? I don't. I'm not familiar. I, with I mean, it as there's it is. so there's so many jails yeah. of mutants in the X Men. It very well could have been. Because when yeah. I was reading comics, they always used the raft, but I think that was because the raft was in the movies at the time. Yeah, and the raft is more of a. Isn't that more of a Spider Man thing? I it's don't know. Spider Man. It's also Thunderbolts. I think at a certain point. Yeah, I think the Thunderbolts are all in the raft. Okay. It, it also it also kind of harkens to Bishop. And his backstory of being in mutant concentration camps, yeah, and and having the power dampeners, which uh, we'll get to, uh, <laughs> right? So yeah, yeah they've got uh, power dampeners. Deadpool's cancer is coming back as a result, and he's dying very quickly because I he's hate power dampeners. Can't save him. They're very helpful, Adam. They're very, They're very helpful, helpful in the writing process. Very helpful in the writing process, but like, what does it? What does it do? Like, what? Like, how do you dampen someone's powers, especially if it's genetic? Like, it just makes them not work. Sure, <laughs> fine, whatever. Uh, there was even a power dampener in the Suicide Squad. Yeah, for Polka Dot Man, remember that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's such it's such a crutch the, the the old power dampener, especially when you have a character like Wade, who's like he has like half of wolverine's powers but like with a bugs bunny twist so yeah. it's like how do you how do you put a guy like yeah, that in jail that's it's a, like, well yeah it, you gotta <laughs> I, I found myself really thinking about the wolverine comparison you can say a lot see a lot about both of their characters and the way they both use their healing factor we talk a lot about how logan's superpower is that he can just like you know take a bullet or do whatever and like you said adam wade does that but with more of like a bugs bunny twist yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's much more amped up. So like, Logan will have to find a moment to compose himself and let himself grow back, whereas Wade can just keep taking it, and it just like, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't seem to even bother him. Sam Raimi would have a lot of fun with Deadpool. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah. We get a one of those moments that you were talking about, Adam, earlier with uh, Deadpool looking straight down the barrel of the of the camera. And talking about setting up uh, ju- a juggernaut, <laughs> like a like a shotgun <laughs> yeah. over the mantle. <laughs> we get a fight with Black Black Tom Cassidy, which leads to what I think was the loudest laugh when I saw the movie, which is when uh, later when they go back to their cell, he was like, "What was his name? Black Tim? Black John? I don't know. I just remember he was African American." That <laughs> that joke that was the loudest laugh when I saw this in theaters was that was that joke. Um, <laughs> Black Tom is one of those is one of those villains who just pops up occasionally, like when they need just an absolutely hateable villain, yeah, hateable and and equally punchable villain. It's like ah. Black Tom Cassidy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good one punch villain to start off a, there, a, a story. There were Definitely. drafts of this that had more Black Tom, but uh the the writers realizing there had a lot of villains in the in the stew already. So But as we said earlier, also no villains. So <laughs> right. Juggernaut, <It's>... I guess. <laughs> oh man. Do you, were you were you uh do either of you remember doing nerd speculation brain buzzing of like who who's in there? Or were you like, oh it's juggernaut? 
Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. I I could not figure it out. Okay, cool. At at the time, I, when it when it is Juggernaut, I was I was legitimately surprised in cool. theaters. I feel like I had one of those slots where like. Well, it couldn't be Juggernaut, but what else would it be? And then we get there, and it's like, of course it was Juggernaut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though I have issues with the way that Juggernaut is depicted in this, because he never actually uses his powers. <laughs> right. <laughs> he never actually is a Juggernaut. He's just a big dude who can fuck people up because he's big and strong. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the Hulk. He's not really, he's not Although, really the Juggernaut. Uh, I guess just to bring it up now, they do canonically make the familial connection between professor x though yes, yes. <laughs> yeah which in, is... like, in like a weird like throwaway yeah, one, one of the darkest funniest jokes of the movie yeah cable breaks into the ice box to break yeah. out or to to kill russell yeah deadpool thinks he's there for him turns out he's there for russell all of this results in Deadpool getting his collar broken and and being able to use his powers again. He uses his arm to strangle Cable for a second, which is like really yeah, I love that. It's so Deadpoolish. Yeah, it's a really fun fight seeing Deadpool's elasticity versus Cable's robot arm full of tricks. Yeah, that can like make a shield pop up or like you know it was it's a fun fight. Yeah, for sure. So this this is fun. I think this is a fun thing. So he gets thrown out of there by Cable, or they both get thrown out, I guess I should mm-hmm. say. As Deadpool's falling, VO comes over, and he's like... Rock bottom. Yeah, rock bottom. He talks about, you know that moment in every movie where the hero hits rock bottom? Well, this is it, rock bottom. As soon as his body hits the water, you hit exactly, timestamp the one-hour mark. Exact to the nice. second. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I like that. I, I paused yeah. it. I paused it too because I was like, "Are we almost over rock bottom?" I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, just halfway through. Um, just yeah. the first act. <laughs> yeah. So this has a lot of first acts. This movie. Um, yeah. You know, actually, I would argue it has a first act that doesn't start until after a 20 minute prologue. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after this, we get our. Is this our? This is our second time of him like trying to talk to talk to Vanessa in the great beyond with the, yeah. the portal that he can't go through because he's not his heart's not in the right place yeah and I guess this is what they trade for taking Vanessa off the board is it, it becomes this like vision quest journey for Deadpool yeah and so he comes out of the lake right and he's like oh my future is isn't the X-Men it's Russell I I, need, I have to save Russell to yeah. rescue him. You know what what is interesting about her being dead? It leads to some, you know, fun things of like Deadpool like ground groundhog daying himself and things like that, which is very <laughs> in character for Deadpool. However, you could have just as easily made her be like I'm ready to have a baby and him being like, uh, I had a family. It was bad. Out of here. Uh, I don't know that that, that seems like a bad idea. And then this, and then she's like, what the hell? Like, you don't want to have a, a baby with me. And then like, this is a story about him learning to want a family. Yeah. Yeah. You there- could just as easily tell this story without killing her. Cause my, my problem with these scenes is it's suggesting this afterlife that doesn't make any sense to me because like, if 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 this is the Christian heaven, I don't think 
I don't think there's a place in there for a guy like Wade, right? Sure. So, yeah. like, where where are we? What is I believe, this place? I believe what Deadpool 2 suggests, Adam, is that the afterlife is a deeply personal experience, a singular psychological one. Uh-huh. More and than... she's just in a holding cell waiting for... Yeah. Yeah, heaven Hell. to start. Yeah, she doesn't. She <laughs> yeah. doesn't to get. She, yeah, she doesn't get to have her own version of that. She just has to wait for Wade. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, Wade! I'm just waiting to go to heaven. Well, she does say <laughs> later on that she gets to have whatever she wants. That okay. it's like pretty cool. So like maybe she just shows up in the waiting room every time he like attempts mm-hmm. to like mm. show up. Apparently, like you said, Scott, there were drafts or versions of this where they merely were broken up or uh-huh. reached some kind of you know like taking a break or something. But then they were like, oh, well, this, we have to make it harder for him and torture him, which I believe is like the definition of fridging. Yes, 100%. Yeah. But yeah, they do kind of like, but it's bungee cord fridging because they do reverse it. Yeah, it's at the cost of her not being in the movie, but then also like, where would she fit in this movie? Or right. like, what is a version of Deadpool 2 where he's just like in a relationship with a girlfriend? Yeah, because ironically... We end up with more Vanessa because she gets killed <laughs> Then we probably would have if they had just broken up or, mm-hmm. you know, struggled with the baby thing, you know? Uh, uh, well, it's it's the villain problem again. We we have we have no Vanessa but too much Vanessa. We have no villains but too many villains. Yeah. 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 Wow, yeah. Also, it's now hitting me that Vanessa in this movie playing a very similar role that Jean Grey does in The Wolverine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. That's very yeah. interesting. So, <laughs> yeah, Deadpool goes back to T.J. Miller, who, uh, for people wondering, this was definitely during the, like, T.J. Miller is a shithead period. Yeah. and Because there, there, be- was, there was a petition to have him removed from the movie Yeah, that got, like, a shitload of signatures. But they basically had to come out and be like, listen, no. guys, the movie comes out in a month. It's not happening. Yeah. Like, Because <laughs> this was months after the uh, All the Money in the World Christopher Plummer stuff. Yeah, and yeah, there's this interview where they were interviewing Lauren Lauren Schumer Donner, and was like, "Yeah, Brett Ratner is a shithead. Fuck him. I don't know. <laughs> just you know." Yeah. But then they're like, "Is C.J. Miller getting cut out of the movie?" And she was like, "No, that's not happening." And you know, it's just like it's one of those things where it's like, "Yeah, he's in the movie." And yeah, they could have replaced him with Seth Rogen, and no one would have even noticed. Sure, it's true. <laughs> but yeah, we get some like heat death, late stage riff off stuff, mm-hmm. and then we're right into the X Force part of the movie. Right. Right. Yeah. The X Force. X Force. The X Force tryouts, which are like straight out of Mystery Men. I mean. Yeah. Oh yeah. The OG. <laughs> yeah. I I really just wanted like Pencil Man to show up. That um. would have been a cameo for the ages if Ben Stiller or yeah. Janine Garofalo had cameoed yeah. with the bowling ball. That would have been. Yeah. Or Bill Macy even. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Or, or Pee Wee the shoveler. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. That would have been a. a <laughs> For yeah, roof off. The I mean, joint. that would have been great. My God, I mean, they were basically doing it. What they should have done, honestly, they should have led up to it by having All Star playing. Like during, yeah, I was this, just gonna say during the sequence, <laughs> it should have been to the tune of All Star and really just lean all the way into it. Dane Cook is the waffler. Yes, but. God, I, I always forget that Dane Cook was around even then. So, um, so on the topic of X Force. You, you, the three of you might remember, listeners might remember, the marketing had this like big misdirect going on where shots of X-Force were made just for the trailer of like Terry Crews punching a guy or yep. Lewis, Lewis Tan pulling two swords out. Yep. 
to misdirect the audience and it was going to be this big prank of like you know murdering the x-force right because they were like that's the biggest deadpool move of like pranking the audience and i totally agree and it's really funny and it's like a big set piece joke yeah but i think it is made awkward and muddied by marvel's and fox's very active development of an x-force movie slash franchise yeah because then it's like wait is it a joke or not are you doing an x-force is it going to be with these characters were we supposed to like these characters oh man like it was it was a huge relief after they introduced shatterstar because like (laughs) lewis tan's great i like lewis tan a lot in 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 a lot of the things that i've seen him in but like shatterstar sucks um shatterstar is a terrible character and they made him look awful in this i mean he looks like shatterstar but it's awful and so when they started killing everybody i was like oh thank god I did not want a movie with Shadowstar in it. Well, I, I, I had a similar thing where I was like, oh, thank God they're killing everybody. And I was like, but they better not kill Domino. Like, yeah. D- Domino's one of my favorite X-Force characters. And to, and to see her represented the way she was, which was just perfect. Yeah. It was like, and, and, and not to mention, it's like, there's no way she wouldn't survive. She's Domino. Right. I mean, like, come on. Right. Yeah. Uh, were, did you have any cards of any of these X-Force members, Adam? Uh, probably all of them. Nice. And if I remember correctly, the Domino one from the 94 series was very suggestive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was a lot of, yeah, I probably shouldn't have been looking at pictures <laughs> like that when I was in fourth grade. Yeah. But it, here it, we it are. turned out fine. I think I yeah. had a Domino, one of the, the one of the swimsuits ones that I, reli- I, I referenced earlier this miniseries. They had like the you... swimsuit edition trading cards. I think that Domino was the spring. Was on that them. was the spring break series. Yeah, Scott. spring break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, with uh, with with Bobby and swim trunks, uh, putting ice cubes in his drink, mm-hmm. and then Wolverine had hot dogs on his claws over the grill, which to me was just like, wouldn't that cause him severe pain? Uh, yeah, it does. But it's the Fourth of July, Bob. Uh, spring break. <laughs> hey, Wolverine, doesn't that hurt <laughs> every time? Every time. <laughs> Thumbs up. Every time I cook dogs. <laughs> What a what a guy! Like Cable, there was uh, quite an extensive casting search for Domino, Lizzie Kaplan, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Ruby Rose, Sienna Miller, Sophia Batella from Atomic Blonde. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, wow. Were just a few of the actresses that were being read, even while T.J. Miller was T.J. Miller, while Tim Miller was attached to the movie. But uh, in March of 2017, Zazie Beetz was cast reporting the producers were actively making a point to look for a black or Latina actress for the role. Yeah. It works. Yeah. It works better than the actual character of Domino, honestly. Like, like when, I, when I saw her the first time, I was like, oh, of course. Like, this all makes sense. And it makes the character design of the original Domino make even less sense to me. Yes. Yeah. It, it's a great adaptation of getting, like, the spirit of a character right while then immediately kind of you know like margot robbie or robert downey jr like she becomes this domino and you can't picture anything else yeah 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 she she's so goddamn fun in this movie that luck sequence where like you just have deadpool just being like what a stupid uncinematic power while like the craziest shit you've ever seen is happening all around her um it is magnificent it's like the jewel of the movie or like you know the quicksilver and days of future past sequence of the movie yeah, there's like kind of like an un, you know, Deadpool is so on and 
Sazzy Beats is like so relaxed as Domino because like yeah. she has all the good luck in the world. So she just doesn't need to ever. And it, the counter, the balance between the two is really fun. It, it, it's such a smart choice for a character, like it, like the way that she performs domino because that's not how domino is in the comics at least most of the ones that i've ever read her in is she's kind of like up she's just like an uptight mercenary most of the time that i've ever read her yeah and so like i really like this like laid back approach to her everything's gonna go my way it's fine i love that yeah i i I love her power set and her power set in the hands of a good writer is is just an awesome ingredient in a story because like it gives you a way out of almost anything. Mm-hmm. And it I mean it, it can be a crutch because it's it could be just like, oh well Domino's there, so it's whatever. Mm-hmm. But like when done right, where you can kind of set it up issues ahead of time or like <laughs> hours ahead yeah, of time. Yeah. I just it's such a cool payoff. And you can do a lot with that power set. Mm-hmm. The whole sequence with Domino and as she kind of intersects with cable and Deadpool, I kept looking at it in like D D terms of like <laughs> she just always gets an advantage role on luck but yeah so like even if like the dm's like look the brakes are cut it the brake you can't stop the truck but because you're domino it hits all the right cars and it slows down you know yeah it really is an incredible sequence but yeah and then we get this whole convoy sequence of the fight this is of course is coming after like Shadowstar getting killed with the green blood which is like a nice little nod to the comics <laughs> i do i did love that i, I love anytime a character dies and it's like a water balloon yeah broke yeah <laughs> always funny it, it will never not be funny to me um we get the much talked about brad pitt cameo um, yes. as the vanisher <laughs> uh yeah this this was filmed over the course of like an hour so it turns out david leach has known brad pitt from like back in the day, he was a stunt person on Fight Club, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and so yeah, he they just like Ryan Reynolds bought him a Starbucks and they like filmed it on the lot, and like a that's like a awesome, yeah, that's such a it's such a funny joke. I because I, I, I also I like the idea the Vanisher is Brad Pitt. Like oh yeah, like that was Brad Pitt actually. That was actually Look, Brad Pitt. Yeah, like they actually had Brad Pitt in those scenes, and they took him out in post. No, like like in the Vanisher, universe. the character is like <laughs> oh, his yeah, yeah. his other you know like actor in Brad, real life. He is Brad Pitt. Yeah, like in the universe, Brad Pitt like disappeared mysteriously after this. Yeah, or you know he can't. He has the power to disappear or whatever, and oh, so. Okay. He stays disappeared when he's Vanisher because he's Brad Pitt and everyone would recognize him. Yeah, so we get this whole convoy sequence. The wood chipper thing is gross. Um, yeah, Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Yeah. The vomiting and the poor Peter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Rob Delaney, who would go on to appear in David Leach's Hobbs and Shaw movie. Yep, yep. A lot of people from this movie end up in Hobbs and Shaw, to be perfectly honest. Yep, for better or worse. Yep. Actually, I'm surprised The Rock was not in contention to play Cable. Oh, that would have been dope. Oh, God. I'm picturing him with that little haircut, and it's insane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I, that would have been great. I am I am shocked that that was not a thing. I bet if you reversed the timeline, if he had done Hobbs and Shaw first, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. Oh, yeah. Or Jason Statham. Um, oh, man, because he would have been such a great big cable. Yeah. Like, I, my, my favorite character designs of cable, I mean... And this excludes the the Lee Field ones because my God, but he's just huge. He's just this big tank of a guy. Yeah, but he's also like an old man. Right. So that's kind of where Bruce Willis always always came to mind for me there's, with Cable. There, he's just this old, solid, 
mass. Yeah. There's even that uh, that joke when Wade's going over the plan where he's like, and this is Cable, 5'11", not like in the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. I, a lot of that Cable versus, versus Deadpool action is really cool, like the gun foo and the slow motion bullets and the swords. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All of that is cool. Uh, Juggernaut finally gets out. We yeah. meet him. He is voiced by Ryan Reynolds, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just... I was so surprised that that wasn't John DiMaggio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought for sure that was John DiMaggio. Yeah. Th- this starts like a thing with Ryan Reynolds where he starts to low-key play a second character in a lot of his movies. It's a trend. It looks like it's going to happen in Free Guy. Yep. Nope. I feel like it has happened another time. But that bullet, he's that... doing the whole, uh, the whole Peter Sellers thing. Yeah, yeah. We can argue that he plays like three versions of himself in this movie. That's true because he's, yeah. he's Origins Deadpool and he's himself. Oh, true. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is true. Um, so yeah, so so him playing the Juggernaut is interesting, but I like I like it because it means that they never take his mask off. You know, like it's right. yeah. like they, they keep him the juggernaut because they're like, well, not a real person isn't playing this. It's just Ryan Reynolds playing it again. He's this, just, you know, this sounds like an fine. insult, but it's it's meant with love. Both juggernaut and Colossus, they feel like action figures come to life. Yes. Yeah, yeah I, I actually said this out loud when we were watching it last night, that it was such a good choice to have those two square off because they're both CGI characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can do a lot more with two CGI characters than you can with one practical and one non. One actor so punching was... at air. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Juggernaut rips Deadpool in half and leaves him for dead, <laughs> which leads to the baby leg sequence, which is the sequence, the, the the sequel to the baby arm sequence, baby hand. I've been meaning to. Last movie. There's something. S- uh, for me, it's sweet, like retro about the kind of sequel where it's like, remember this thing from the first movie. Yeah. yeah. A Wayne's World 2 kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Austin Powers. Or, or American Pie. Yeah. Hangover. Yeah. All of those. The baby, the baby legs thing, I remember getting a big laugh as well. But I do, I do feel like it's not a big laugh for me because I do think it is very derivative of the baby hand right. from the last movie. Yeah, but they they lean in hard with with his junk showing. Though, That's true. I think mm-hmm. the escalation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is true. Oh, so when the movie was test screening, they after the movie tested, they it tested super big, and they went back and did reshoots. And a lot of most of the reshoots were adding more Domino and Cable. And so, oh. yeah, and so watching this movie, I was trying to like find where the extra Domino and Cable was, and it. I'm guessing some of it is in this scene. Of it's like feels like Domino didn't have to be in this room, having, mm-hmm. <laughs> but did they like? Oh, and then she comes back. Yeah. I mean, that would have been my notes. That was my notes at the end of watching it last night. Was more Domino and Cable, please. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's a real casualty of the Fox merger. Is like we're probably never going to get like a proper Domino movie. Mm-hmm. That's that may, or a proper X Force movie, which makes me so sad because this just set it up so well. I would, and it could I would have been love so to good. read Drew Goddard's X Force script. That would definitely oh, be something I'd love to get my hands on. But uh, yeah, Cable shows up and reveals that he needs everybody's help because Deadpool's an idiot who left let Juggernaut loose, mm-hmm. and so he's like, "Well, now I can't do this by myself, so I need your help." And then he explains what becomes of Russell in the future and why he's so determined to kill him. 
as a child. Yeah. We get like a future version because he basically becomes, it's like Looper where it's like this person's going to cause untold, like, you know, would you kill baby Hitler? Uh, put a pen in that. Remember I mentioned that listeners. <laughs> And we get a future vision of Firefist, and he's played by Sala Baker, which if you're a Lord of the Rings extended edition DVD fan, uh, you might remember Sala Baker being a stunt person on Lord of the Rings and was like one of the orcs. And he's just this big New Zealand oh, wow. stunt legend. That's awesome. Yeah. For as little as we get of him in the future, it is really cool that they went out of their way to get a New Zealand actor to play him. Yeah, yeah. I I would be afraid that they would have just kept him in shadow, mm-hmm. you know, and just like, yeah, we just get I, whoever. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we're not going to, yeah. we're barely going to see them. So guy. it's really <laughs> cool that they got a New Zealand actor to play, you know, older Russell. Most definitely. It, 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 one of the things that bothered me throughout this movie is they keep almost making jokes about his weight. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's like Fi- Fire Fist isn't a, isn't a fat character. So, like, I don't understand. Why? Yeah, like, this is a problem. This is a problem I have with Hollywood in general is how they write overweight characters. Uh, a lot of the time, they're just eating the entire time they're on screen. Right. It's like right. Come on, you know, like we we talk about how like Gilmore Girls, Melissa McCarthy, Suki is just like they never once that's she's just allowed to do stuff that you'd be depressed that doesn't happen a lot with characters that are overweight, like have significant others or be sexy or like go on dates and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, the biggest one for me is Dennis Nedry. Dennis Nedry is literally eating in every scene in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's like some food related thing with him yeah. throughout. The, it's like, yeah. oh, the, uh, the actor that plays uh, uh, Russell, uh, I forgot to write his name down, but you know, freaking amazing in Hunt for the Wilder Beast, really fun in Godzilla versus King Kong. W- wilder people, not w- beasts. Wilder people. I always do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was like really excited to be in the movie because he was like, yeah, there's not a lot of plus size people like me in these big action movies where I get to be cool and do stuff. And so, and he even like gets to Russell calls attention to it, which like, right. oh yeah, there's no plus size superhero. So it never, and yeah. it kind of adds to him being more of an outcast and a loner. Yeah. I really like that moment. But then like later in the movie, Right, Ryan Reynolds, like as Deadpool is like, you're gonna, you you have to take this suit. You'll have to let it out in the middle, but like you can yeah, have the yeah. suit. Yeah, and it's just like, and they make diabetes yeah, jokes. Diabetes yeah, the diabetes jokes. jokes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's almost like they were like, well, we got to give, we gave him this scene, so now that gives us the okay to make all the fat jokes we want. And it's, and like, it's like, yeah, well, that sucks. And you could argue that like, oh, it's Deadpool. He takes the piss out of everybody. But kind of going back to the Darwin stuff of not looking at something metatextually at all or like how this would look to an audience we're going to talk about it in new mutants where there's finally a native character in a movie like this and is immediately met with a torrent of slurs and racial hate and yeah or even going back to the kind of suki thing or the the, i'm sorry the the, the yukio thing of of like when people of color are allowed to be in these movies what roles are they playing and what versions of them are and aren't allowed to be on screen you know like a, a a fat character that is it is never brought up at all or like seen as a detriment or that they're unhealthy <laughs> you know right yeah he could he couldn't just have that body type and be a, a superhero they have to make an excuse for it or like draw attention to it and i think that's just hollywood being hollywood like there's so, it's yeah, sure. there's such a weird thing about people's bodies when making movies that just i've never been able to understand yeah well i mean i think it's because 
it, it's it's a snake eating its own tail situation for sure. But it's also like most people are garbage people. Um, and they, you know, they will, they will be overweight themselves and talk about how fat some, some actress is who's like 140 pounds. You know what I mean? People are gross. And unfortunately they're making these movies for all of those people for some reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's comics Twitter for you in a nutshell. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's all gross and it's all this snake eating its own Mm -hmm. tail. And it's like, and all that. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. a, it's a, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. And like the diabetes joke that they make about him later is made even more stupid by the fact that they already made a diabetes joke earlier with Peter about how he yeah. has both types of diabetes <laughs> and that's his superpower. <laughs> They're like, wow, that's that you got all the diabetes. Let me know yeah. if you find a diabetes, like a third yeah. diabetes. So they already do that joke, and then they do another diabetes joke, and it's like you. Why yeah. are you doing two diabetes jokes? Like, what, why would you have yeah. that in a movie? I don't understand. And uh, and Firefish is great in this movie. And in the end, when he's going full heel and, like, he has this menace. And I was like, wow, yeah. like, would anyone ever cast this kid in any of the 900 Netflix rom-coms that come out every year? Right. As, like, that character, like, the the, the romantic lead or the kid that finds the map under his parents' basement or something you know yeah right well it's like it's like the kid who plays um ned in the in the spider-man movies he was just he just lost a shitload of weight right very recently oh wow like like lost a ton of weight um i mean you know he looks he looks great and good for him if that's what he wanted to do good for him but then the fucked up thing is he was just cast as like the the lead in those fat vampire books they're making like a movie there's like a series of books called Fat Vampire, and it's about a vampire who like only eats unhealthy, like only drinks blood from unhealthy people, and it makes them fat, and it's a whole thing. And it's like, ah, fat vampire, you never seen anything like that before. And so he's playing the lead in that. After having lost all this weight, he's finally thin enough <laughs> to play Fat Vampire. Like it's That's so fucked so up. That's so fucked up. up. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> you just reminded me of that member that happened to David Harbor with uh, yes. with the blob. Uh, David Harbor yes. was also on the short list to be Cable. Oh, he would have been a great cable too. Mm-hmm. He would have been a really good cable. I Comrade like Hopper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Doing Jonathan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now that you mention it, jeez. Yeah. yeah. He would have been good too. Yeah. That was because he's just he's just grisly enough. God, mm-hmm. that that too too fat to play the blob. God damn it. <laughs> so I just uh, sorry. Th- that was one of those moments, Scott, that I was talking about at the beginning where you feel like a ghost in the room, yeah. but the too fat to play the blob. <laughs> too many things to say about that. Too many things. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. A- apparently, like I, I found like that interview or like it was like a video interview where it was like during his audition for the blob, he like opened up his shirt and like shook his body at the casting people. And wrote like blob on his like his belly, and oh, no. and afterwards they were like sitting down with him and they're like, hey, um, we're like we're we're worried about your health. Like Ugh. we saw your your body, and you know there's a lot of just very physical movie, and like you know we have to have people like insure you like health insurance, and we don't we didn't like you know we we were just worried. At David, Harper we don't like what like, we saw. We don't like God what we it. saw. At David <laughs> Jesus <Harper>. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, 
you frightened and disturbed us, and now we don't want to work with you. And it, yeah, and it was... but but yeah, th- that that fat shaming that's that's disguised as being concerned for someone's health. I always hate that shit. Sure, it's yeah. like just tell me that you think I'm fat looking. Yeah, and we'll leave it at that. Um, uh, but I... just. Stop! Stop trying to say that you're a good person, or try trying to prove that you're a good person, and just yeah, just it, embrace that you suck. I don't know. Or, or yeah, it's 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 like, oh man, I want to point out that he's overweight, but I also want to seem nice about it. Right. Right. How do but I, I have do to that? point out that he's overweight? I, yeah, because I, I, I don't think he knows. I don't think the he options, knows. Yeah, the option to just shut the fuck up and not say anything is yeah, not he, on the he, table. He probably and... has zero neuroses or insecurities about it. <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, he, he has no idea, and so I have to be the one. I'm the hero yeah. with him, with him being an actor and all. Yeah, yeah. Two years from now, when he's healthy, he's gonna thank me for being the only right. person yeah. to point hey, it out. Hey, I want to thank um, you for calling attention to that. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> really turned my life around. <laughs> I like a lot of this final action sequence stuff where they raid Essex house. Yeah, I like the kind of clandestine Domino being like, "Oh, I went here." That all worked out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. She's lucky. She's lucky. I love the bus sequence where she's like, God, we're going to need a bus to get all these kids out of here. And the bus throws <laughs> Loved it, that. through the wall. And she's like, right this way, orphans. <laughs> it's yes. so good. Domino is a gift to the writer's room. Yes. Any, any situation that she's in. Because it's like you can just materialize things out of space with, yeah. with that power source. And, yeah. you know, in a world where this could be like, you know, team up, like Suicide Squad style. Like, yeah, just drop Domino into like every movie that you have coming out. Yeah. I am very curious about one of the reasons that I really want to read Drew Goddard's X-Force script is because I'm fascinated to know. Is it like this? Is it like a wacky comedy with the X-Force? Or are they making a serious X-Force movie? And what does that look like with these characters? Right. You know? Jeez. I, I'm I'm fascinated to know what the yeah. tone of that movie was going to be. I mean, like, you know, you look at the Suicide Squad and you see that, you know, characters like Captain Boomerang or Rick Flagg, like, they're elastic enough to fit different visions of their respective, like, franchise, I guess, is the word. Yeah. Yeah, but Dead, I feel like Deadpool complicates things. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, he, he's Bugs Bunny, right? It's like, yeah, it's yeah. like putting Bugs Bunny into like a serious like, superhero and, movie. It feels weird. And, you know, and I think the movie even tries doing that with its finale with mixed results. Is yes, I agree. Things get very serious and almost, I, I, I dare to say, overwrought. Yeah. So... The deal that he works out with Cable is that Cable's going to give him 30 seconds to convince Russell to not be a bad guy anymore. And he fails within the first 30 seconds. And then, but then he gets like the collar gets, gets on him at some point in the fight. And then he dives in front of the bullet that Cable is shooting for Russell. And in doing so, convinces Russell not to be a bad guy anymore because he's like, wow, he took a bullet for me. Here's what I thought was going to happen. When they made that deal and they set up that scenario, I thought we were going to get to that place where, you know, Wade's standing between Firefist and this Joseph Mangala, and he was just going to shoot the doctor. Like, just beat him to it. Yeah. Just like, now you don't have to, and now you don't have to be the villain. Yeah, that's yeah. I was the villain for you. But... Yeah, instead you get... But we got this, like, 20-minute death scene. Yeah, and it's trying, in right in front of the audience, trying to do two things at once. 
which mm-hmm. is like tug at your heartstrings, which I think is kind of Ryan Reynolds' style with him being like a phase one screenwriter. Yeah. I, I think it's like looking at Free Guy, he looks like just like a not subtle dude when it comes to like, I want this to be big, emotional. But then also squeezing in, like, but he's still Deadpool. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. like Adam said, for like 20 minutes, he's just riffing while dying. And the characters are just staring at him blank faced unsure of how serious they should be taking this. It reminds me of really bad family guy writing, which is most of family guy writing, but like, yeah, yeah. The, if it's funny once it's funny, 23 more times. Right. Or, or just like, it's funny. It's not funny anymore. It's really not funny anymore. It started to come back around (laughs) and then it's over (laughs) kind of thing. Yeah. But then I feel like he takes it so far that I just don't give a shit. I'm just like, oh, my God, fucking die, please. Yeah. By the the time we get to the do you want to build a snowman? It was like, oh, I think you wanted that to be a moment, but I just want this to be over. Yeah. 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 You can't really tell what is supposed to be a moment and what's not. And then you get the final death vision dream. Where yes. it's like, I love you, baby. And like, uh, and like, this, none of this is, I know, I already know the first time watching this, something is going to happen to where the status quo is restored. Right. So, like, that doesn't right. help either because, like, you know, Deadpool's not really going to die. So, you know, right. him being like, hey, Negasonic, you're, you're pretty okay. You're an okay, like, like, it's not a, <laughs> so going to see her after this. Yeah. And, and they, they did set up the fact that Cable had one more charge left. Like, mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. Seventeen hours ago in this yep. movie. Yep. I do like the the teddy bear. Oh, it's great. Thing. The teddy bear thing is awesome. Yeah. I, I love that. It's, uh, like, it, like it's it, like the picture of the McFly siblings. Yeah. It's really it's really cool. I think it's a really cool conceit. How do you feel about Hope literally being his daughter in this? I I they, they've given me enough time. At this point, to kind of forgive them for flipping the coin on Cable, yeah, and making him the the villain in his own story, that by by this time I'm like, okay, I I'm fine with this. And then him going like, my daughter's name was Hope, made me angry all over again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how dare you say her name? How dare you? I I have a theory that Hope was going to be the MacGuffin of the X Force movie mm. uh... because he left her in the future. I think that she was going to come back for him, and it was going to unravel me. things um, in a MacGuffin-y kind of way. Uh, I mean, she's kind of the perfect MacGuffin in yeah, that sense. Yeah. Um, she's also, like, uh, you were, you asked me early on, is Cable my favorite mutant? And I think it's Hope, honestly. Oh, wow. I, I, Hope, Hope's story is really what drew me into that Dwayne Trusinski run, and it, it really, like, her, she is really what rekindled my love for for the character of Cable. I just just her her story is so great because she just it, there's a point in the story where his time machine can only keep going forward, and the only forward future on Earth is just more and more chaos and apocalypse. So she just grew up as a survivor, surviving these just absolutely awful conditions, wow. and. I don't know. There's just something incredibly badass about Hope Hope Summers that I love and want more of. And they kind of keep putting her on the shelf. Yeah. Because I guess they don't know what to do with her because her power set is so bizarre and so trumped up. Yeah. And so was Deadpool 2. Uh, it features uh, a stinger sequence <laughs> where uh, Vanessa is brought back to life through the magic of time travel. Depender kills Eddie Marzen. 
Yeah, Depender kills Eddie Marsden, runs him over. <laughs> he did the thing I thought came, or uh, I thought Wade was going to do. Yeah, yeah. No, it I was, was like good. someone it, has to kill this guy. Yeah, right? it, like, it's a really good. I, I I like it for multiple reasons. One, you forget about Depender's arc because you think that like the yes. end of the arc is them being like Peter, you're on the team, and he's like fuck, like, <laughs> and you think <laughs> yeah. that that's going to be the end of the arc that he's like he's like mad that he didn't get on X Force, but then. He just comes out of nowhere and kills this guy. And I love it because Deadpool is like, I almost broke. I heard you coming for like 30 seconds. That was, <laughs> yeah, like that whole thing is really good. I like that a lot. Yeah, because there is a moment where I'm like, oh shit, they're going to let this Joseph Mengele guy just go. They, someone has, he, like, he does have to die. Yeah. Like, this character needs to be killed yeah. and brought to justice. And because it's, it's like, you know, kind of, this isn't an X Men movie, this is an X Force movie. Right. Yes. Or a Deadpool right. movie. Yeah. So Cable saves Deadpool with the token. He puts the token on his chest where he gets shot um, so that he doesn't get shot, even though he's the one who shoots him. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> he could have just as easily gone back and not shot him. Yeah. Very easily. <laughs> and then we get all of the time travel shenanigans. Yeah. You know, he saves Vanessa. He kills the X, uh, X-11 version of him. And then from, from X-Men Origins Wolverine, he kills Ryan Reynolds himself reading uh, Green Lantern, which he thinks is a beautiful <laughs> script, apparently. And, uh, and then goes to kill baby Hitler. Um, yeah. And then we find out at the end, instead, he's going to bring his, his buddy Cable because he loves killing kids. So, And this was shot. <laughs> there was a version of the stinger that ran with audiences where... It, like POV of baby Hitler and then like Deadpool strangles or is, you know, it's left up to the imagination. But then everyone decided that was like a weird friggin note to end a movie on. Oh, that was the version I watched. Oh, you've seen that? Yeah, I've seen it. I would just watched it. He he goes to he's like, oh, he like thinks about it. And he's like going back and forth in front of the thing. Oh, he's wow. like, this is this is so weird. It's, I, I know you're you're going to do bad things, but you're a baby and you're just. Ah, and, oh, then wow. it, and then he goes he goes in and he's like all right maximum effort and he goes into it it cuts to black you go through the whole credits and then on the other end he's cradling baby hitler in his arms oh, wow. and just being like oh oh you're so grumpy because no one changes you and he like puts the baby down he's like i'm gonna change you and then i'm gonna bring my friend cable because he loves killing children um, and then that's and then it cuts to black again. Oh, geez. Wow, w- which is funny because that is that is not Cable's character. Cable cares about mutant children more than anybody else. Yeah, well, I think it's a joke about him wanting yeah. to kill Firefist or whatever. No, um, I, I just I, I don't Hitler yeah. a mutant. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it, it, what's funny is they they kind of do something similar to that it, with frank castle's character in the comics um it was like last year or two years ago where frank castle became the cosmic ghost rider mm-hmm. whole thing like completely changed his character for the better but he gets on this mission where he was going to go back in time and kill thanos as a baby and ends up raising thanos and then thanos becomes the punisher wow. so it like just makes it so much worse <laughs> that's insane <laughs> So that like on a than being the Punisher on a Thanos level is just yeah yeah. Right. Check out Cosmic Ghost Rider; it's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was an well, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's interesting just to see like the X Force of it all not come to fruition. I think it really, it's an interesting mm-hmm. movie in retrospect. Of mm-hmm. like all these things are set up that ultimately kind of didn't go anywhere, possibly at the detriment of the movie itself. 
Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Marvel Studios version of Deadpool. Right. How much of this carries over, if anything? Yeah, if anything, or if it's just him, which I also think makes sense. There were also several moments in this movie where I thought for sure that Cable was going to turn out to be Strife. Oh, wow. Cable's evil clone. Yeah. That would have been. But yeah. that's that's a conversation for a different day, I guess. <laughs> if any day. Maybe maybe he would have been the villain <laughs> of uh, the X-Force movie. Yeah, that would have been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But I digress. All right. Well, on that note, uh, that that is Deadpool 2. What else should people check out, Adam? Uh, they should they should check out um, uh, Tales from the Short Box. We actually just, I guess it was, I, I don't know how long ago it is now that you're listening to this at home, but uh, we just covered the last issue of the, the, the current run of Cable, and it is a doozy. There's a lot of Cable. There's a lot of Strife. There's uh, the whole entire Summers family is involved. It's great. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so we just talked about that. Like I'm like kind of fresh off that conversation. Nice, nice. But uh, but yeah, so uh, Tales from the Short Box. We we talk about comics on a weekly basis. So um, every week we talk about the comics that came out last week. So lots of stuff. We try to cover everything. Um, we we try to cover every. We try to cover stuff from Marvel. We try to cover stuff from DC. We try to cover stuff from everything in between. So mm-hmm. go check us out if you, if you're a, a weekly comics person if you're not a weekly comics person start listening to us you might become a weekly comics person i've seen it happen more than once (laughs) (laughs) um all right cool uh next week is new mutants yes yes wow absolutely new mutants that'll be that'll be the closest to a franchise potential episode that a uh a main feed episode becomes, I would say. I wish that movie could have been what it should have been. Uh-huh. Because, mm-hmm. man. Scott mm-hmm. will tell us all about it. Yeah. Got a lot to talk about with that one. But yeah, so that'll be next week. Adam, thank you so much for joining us and uh, bringing your cable expertise to the fold. Well, thanks for having me. Yes. I, it was it was such a decision uh, as to which X-Men movie I wanted to jump in on. Mm-hmm. and. This yeah. one had cable, so here I am. There <laughs> you go. And and thank you for editing the show every other week. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, uh, everyone, for listening. If you're not already a Patreon supporter, check that out. It's duelinggenre.com slash support. You'll gain access to three bonus podcasts a week, every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, as well as, uh, you know, specifically, uh, we, you'll get the franchise potential uh, bonus podcast, which at the end of this miniseries, we will be, co- be covering 2003's Daredevil film. And, uh, the Coolio very, Cut. Yeah, the Coolio Cut. Very much <laughs> looking forward to uh, talking about that and my issues with it. I am looking forward to revisiting it. I probably haven't revisited that movie in uh, 15 years, probably. True. Um, yeah, probably the same. E- easily. So uh, I am I am looking forward to revisiting it, even if it is a movie that I very, 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 very d- much dislike. Um, but we'll be talking about it, and that'll be exclusive on Patreon the same week as our next between episode coming at the end of this uh, X-Men miniseries. And then we've got Spy Kids on the way, Wes Anderson, you know, all of that God, stuff it's, coming it, in the future. It's crazy to be looking on the other side of Mutant Summer after all of this time. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Hot Mutant Summer is almost uh, Spy Kids Autumn. Yep. Um, Hot Mutant Summer is every summer for me. Very true. 
I, I'm on a I'm on a comics podcast where we talk about X Men too much, and I'm on a Ninja Turtles podcast. Oh, I'm very right. true. Summer is my whole thing. Yeah, very, very true. Um, all right, and uh, join the Discord if you're not already. There's a link in the show notes to this very episode. So uh, join that. Join the discussion. It's it's a fun time over there. We have we we have a really good time uh, yeah. talking about. The new episodes of this and just like everything else that we talk about over on the Discord. It's 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 a lot of fun. So check that out. And, uh, of course, share your X-Men franchise memories with us. If you have any, franchiseography at DuelingGenre.com. We could read your X-Men. Who's your favorite mutant? What do you want from the X-Men in when they come to Marvel Studios. Let us know all of that stuff, and we'll we'll read your emails on the next between episode. I think that could be a lot of fun. Your so. X-Memories. X memories. Um, we will uh, talk to you next week with new mutants. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.